I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric at home of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. And Eva from the Burgundy and Gold Report joins the show today. Adam, how are you? Hey, I'm great. Thanks for having me on, my man. Yeah, thanks for carving out some time for us. The uh, the team released the 53-man roster over the weekend. Are you surprised they kept Alex Smith on the roster? Yes and no. Um, I'm surprised that there's even talk about him possibly having the opportunity to be active. Um, I thought they would keep him and probably move him to maybe IR because there's a risk involved. If he does somehow get on the field and he gets hurt, the rest of his salary is pretty much going to all go to him. If they play it out this year, you know, and he doesn't get on the field, they can pretty much get out from under this contract next year, you know, relatively cheap. But I'm really surprised that they're talking about activating on game day. So um, I hope that's not going to be a constant every week. But uh, with, with COVID going on, I, I find it hard to believe that they're going to be, be able to do that every week. So, But um, other than that, the rest of the roster, I, I was not surprised at all. Uh, yeah, I've said all along, I think that with the COVID – Teams might opt to keep a third quarterback uh, quarantined in a separate room, if you will. I, I think the Eagles have done that with their practice squad. Yeah, it's, it's, de- it's definitely common. And you're going to, it's just, it is definitely odd looking at some of these practice squads and seeing all these veterans now. But I think we're going to see, it's not over. I can at least name four or five guys on this team right now that I don't think are going to be with us after week one. I think they'll probably be in the practice squad and uh, they're going to. Probably, you know, become available, you know, be a cut, or they're gonna, you know, poach other practice squads. So it's it's definitely nowhere close to over because after week one, anybody you bring on your team, their salary is not guaranteed for the year. So there's gonna be a lot of transactions still to come. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't realize that. A lot of changes this year to um, the practice squad and who's allowed to be on it. You recently you recently wrote about running backs, and while it was before the releasing of Adrian Peterson, the rest of the article holds up. You think running backs will be used heavily in the passing game this year? Yeah, and 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 I I spent a lot of time watching uh, Scott Turner's last four games of Carolina when he got the position of uh, OC, and you can see the way that this works. Keep this in mind. I hope I'm right about this, but. <clears throat> Don't be concerned with our running backs doing a lot of blocking because from what the tape I'm seeing, they're going to ask the tight ends to do a lot. So a lot of people were questioning their tight ends and Logan Thomas and some of the guys. And really, I think they caught some slack for not going after some bigger names in free agency, even the draft. But I, I'm kind of seeing why now, because they're looking for guys that can motion and be athletic enough to go on the backfield and play that dual back fullback role. So I think what you're going to see is – you know, after your third wide receiver, it's not as imperative this year, at least out of the first half, that we have that fourth guy really come in. You know, this year between Inman and AGG, AGG is one of the guys I spent a lot of time on. But, you know, he's got a long way to go. Inman, again, that's not a guy that's the future. That's a stopgap as well. So you're really looking at a running back rotation of they're going to be in situations where they're in the – the exact same time there the dual back set is something that turner and his father really made an impression on me when i watched the tape and, and keeping a guy like mckissick that's going to be one of the sleep because everyone is focused on gibson being a bell cow now it really sh- shifted from a lot of the way he was viewed 
but I don't think that it's going to be that traditional running game bell cow whatsoever. I think it's going to be all up to Dwayne Haskins to really keep this churning out. But Turner, in the early part of it, he's going to do a lot of quick game to make sure that the offensive line is not going to be the reason uh, Haskins doesn't succeed. But I, I think the offense is definitely a work in progress. I think that there's some aspects of it that Redskins fans are going to be really happy when they see because it's not going to be the old smash mouth. It's going to be that combination of a Oklahoma-style offense mixed with a CFL kind of high-motion uh, quick game. So it's going to be exciting to watch. I'll say that for sure. Yeah, Ron Rivera didn't seem as high on analytics, but we know that Scott Turner is big on analytics. We know Ken Zampezi, the quarterback coach, is big on analytics. This team's going to throw the ball a lot on first down, don't you think? And, you know, sometimes you have to figure that a run up the middle for two, three yards, if they throw a screen pass that gets you two, three yards, it's an analytics exact. I'm not a big guy in analytics, too, but you can't deny that. I am back. That was strange. <laughs> it was strange. That's a, glad we got you back on. Um, I was getting ready. Before we got disconnected, I was getting ready to ask you, do you think it's realistic to think that the running backs see more targets for catches than the receivers do this year? Um, I think in the beginning that's something we're going to see. But I think as we get to the second part of the season, I think we're going to see the receivers get a lot more involved because I think – this is going to be an opportunity for Dwayne Haskins to get the ball out of his hands quickly. I think when you have like McKissick and Gibson, and I think love will slowly get worked in as uh, the season goes in. Um, those will be the guys you'll have Barber more in the traditional run, but he's the can catch out of the backfield. So in the beginning, I think we will see that and it, it's going to really depend on how well Gibson can do early on. And me personally, I spent a lot of time scouting and I think that, we're going to see that potential early impact like we do with McLaurin last year. I don't know. I'm not going to say it's going to sustain through the whole year, but I think Gibson has that big playability that we're catching the Eagles probably at a pretty good time. Uh, they're dealing with some injuries on uh, both sides of the ball, lack of depth, actually more on you know some of the defensive backfield. And I think this is an opportunity that Dax will be able to take advantage. But I still think you're going to have a lot of attention put on McLaurin. And it's going to open things up for players like uh, Gibson and McKissick and, you know, especially uh, Steven Sims Jr. Because you're going to see a lot of him in the backfield because that's exactly how um, Carolina used Curtis Samuel. So I think that the roles that they had, that they used their players over there, it definitely translates the roster that uh, we have in Washington for sure. Jerron Christian and Martin appear to be the starting left side of the line now. Cause for concern or cautiously optimistic? Martin, cautiously optimistic. Um, I, I'm, I'm definitely concerned at the left tackle spot. I think Jerron Christian, you know, there's always that player that can come out of nowhere, and I'm hoping he's that guy. Um, but just what I've, you know, seen, I think he's the best of the group, so it's not really saying much. So I think he's shining among, you know, very little depth at uh, tackle. The question is, will he be able to, you know, come on the field and do it in live competition? Because when you know what's – have a good idea what's coming at you, you know, in practices and semi-scrimmages like they did, it's, it's a lot easier to shine as, as, a, as a left tackle. But when you get in the game situation, you know, they're going to smell blood in the water. And they're, they're going to come after John Christian's side hard. You know, I think Morgan, even though he has his issues, I think he's not viewed as the weak link. And the left side is going to be viewed that way. So – in Philly, they're going to really come hard on that. So look for, you know, 
Turner to really move the pocket a lot with Dwayne Haskins. And I think that's a big reason that they asked him to really, you know, put a lot of work into offseason, you know, upgrading his body. Because they basically, in my opinion, just told him, you know, we're going to be moving you a lot in this offense. This is a big move offense. We're going to do some of the concepts you did at Ohio State. But you're going to be moving a lot. The pocket's going to be moved a lot. And I think that's just going to be an opportunity for, take, you know, for him to take shots down. A lot of people criticize, you know, these videos that are going to put up about him doing jump passes, you know. But let's keep in mind, he's rolling out of the pocket five yards and he's jump passing that 65 yards downfield. So whether you think it's a traditional or you think they, he should be doing that, that's when he's at his best right now, not just sitting in the pocket and throwing it. So I think this is going to be a great, great opportunity for them to really try to cover up their deficiencies early on by moving that pocket. But I'm not sold on Jerron Christian. I'm still, you know, I'm really hoping Sadiq Charles can, you know, they didn't put him on IR. So that tells me, you know, I've heard things that they feel he, you know, ran a little, jogged a little bit. So hopefully they can get him back in the fold in, you know, a week or two because I'm definitely not sold on Christian. In the modern NFL, pass rushers come from everywhere. Uh, so to your point, I would suggest that the right side needs to back bounce, uh, bounce back here just as much as the left side does. Oh, for sure. It was a horrible year for, you know, Moses and, you know, Brandon. I think that, you know, a lot of people have said that he was still dealing, you know, with some lingering issues from the previous year with his shoulder and chest. Um, but Moses, Moses just looked horrible. And he's got a lot of fans. I know a lot of guys out there I talk to, you know, writers and, you know, people, radio show hosted. They still think he's going to, you know, he's been playing with injuries and he's due for that, you know, bounce back year. I, I'm very concerned about him. I, I really hope, I think that when you line up a speed, power move guy on him he doesn't stand a chance so again i think that the innovation of you know pre-stop motions just you know a lot of stuff you're going to see at cfl we're used to seeing in washington a motion you know they're line up they're set height and this they're still in motion right as the ball is snapped like to the point where if that quarterback doesn't get that right it's going to be a penalty for a false start for them not getting set so I think it's just going to be a lot of things to keep linebackers being moved around. And that just gives Dwayne Haskins a chance, you know, that extra split second to either throw it away or, you know, find someone open. But I I think this offense is going to play to his strengths because what Turner said is he has his offense, but he believes if you don't play to your player's strengths, it's your offense is being wasted. So I like to hear that. And that's something I liked when we had, um, you know, our other young guys in McVay here. I just don't think that they were ever given the chance. Rivera is going to give his coordinators a chance to do their thing. So I think that's the part that I'm excited as far as the new regime goes. So if you assume that this offense looks a whole lot like Carolina's with a little bit of Ohio State mixed in, fair to assume we'll be in shotgun more than we're not. Yeah, I, I think you're going to see a lot of pistol I think you're going to see, you know, just some of that throwback stuff where um, they've got a lot of guys motioning back into the backfield. I saw a lot of situations where the tight end was put back there, as I mentioned. So Logan Thomas is a guy that is really going to be a focal point. I think a lot of people are thinking 800 yards would be a great season for a tight end. That's not what they're going to be asking him to do. Yes, Olsen was that kind of guy in Carolina, but when Olsen got hurt and went down, the way they used their tight ends was more like in a fullback type role in a wing T kind of formation. So you're going to see a lot of Logan Thomas, you know, in the backfield and he's going to get the ball in his hand. That's what's going to be great in this offense. They give the ball to everybody on the field, but the offensive lineman, I think that's what's going to keep, you know, teams guessing. And early on, I think our defense can dictate, you know, game. So if we can just do enough 
um, where the defense is not forcing negative yards. And we're getting positive, even if there's field goals, punts, that's going to be a step in the right direction for this offense because they definitely need something fresh and innovative. And I think, you know, Turner will get his shot this year. It can't be overstated how much playing against our D-line should be helping our O-line. Tell us just how important that practice time is. Oh, it, it's it's imperative. Um, having, you know, people like Montez Sweat, Duran Payne, Matt Ioannidis, Allen, Tim Settle, Ryan Kerrigan, and then now you're adding, you know, a Chase Young into the fold. I think that on paper, of course, you know, we're all excited what, what could be. But everyone, let's you know, keep in mind, this is the NFL. If this was college, this would be 12, 15 sacks a game. But offensive coordinators are paid big money to scheme against these kind of situations. So Philadelphia will make it their business to get the ball out quickly, just like the Washington will. But when this offensive line, every, on day in, day out, faces a motivated Chase Young and a Montez Wet who's looking like the seen him, it's, it's iron sharpening iron. So I think whatever Philadelphia throws at us, they're going to struggle. You know, don't get me wrong. This offensive line is going to struggle. But I truly don't think they're going to get anything at them that's going to truly blindside them. I think they're going to be used to the talent. They're going to be used to the scheme because Del Rio is aggressive. This is not a Minuski defense where in practice, you know, they, even though it was coming at him, it was, it was still easier to, easier to counteract. It, it was mindless nonsense. But with Del Rio, it's extremely aggressive. Every player that's, that's coming on that line is a potential stunter, blitzer. So I think it's going to be nothing but helpful to these guys to be, you know, to continue to go through the motions with, you know, some of these, you know, athletic fast rushers. Because again, we're talking about guys that are six six running four five, you know, forty. This this is insane. So again, on paper, everything looks really promising um, for this uh, this team going forward. It would make the most sense to me to have Fuller outside in two DB sets, and then kick into the slot with Darby and Moreau outside, do you think they'll do that? I think that's exactly what's going to happen. And, you know, I'm a big guy on uh, on Moreland. You know, I'm a small school prospect evaluator. And when the Redskins picked him up, I just thought it was an absolute steal to get someone like him in the seventh round because, you know, look past his 18 interception, six return for touchdowns aside, the, the level of competition will always be questioned. But he's just got that intangible. And I'm not going to even start the conversation about Dale Green and him, size, small school, speed, you know, versatile player. But I, I, you can't help but look past that. He's a guy that if he reaches the ceiling, yes, he is a ball hall corner. Can he be a shutdown type? I don't know. Complete mold. I just – I do see him as a ball hawk, though. You know, think D'Angelo Hall if he actually truly fulfilled his expectations. And I think that's what Morley can be. So I, it stands right now, I'm not confident Darby is going to stay healthy. I'm not confident Fabian Moreau will stay healthy. But everything you said, I agree with how they're going to align the cornerbacks. But I think early on, more, uh, Moreland is going to be involved in that. I think week one, I think he'll probably get the call over Moreau. So it'll be um, Fuller, Darby, and Moreland. But um, keep in mind, something's going on with Fuller. I'm not saying what it is, but he missed consecutive practices. So there is that chance that Fuller would be inactive. So. It appears Reuben Foster's time here is done before it got started. Who do you think the starting three linebackers will be on opening day? Um, just uh, I'll go what I've heard. I've heard uh, we're, they're talking about Thomas Davis. 
uh, Bostick and Sean Dion Hamilton in you know some way, shape, or form. I've heard Thomas Davis most likely is your strong side, um, and either Bostick or Sean Dion Hamilton are going to switch between uh, a mic. But I really think that uh, Holcomb is going to make it difficult for a lot of these guys. He's another guy I spent a lot of time scouting, and I think he'll be in that fold soon. I think Bostic is he's a nice prospect, and he can make some plays. But ultimately, in the end, I think that he'll probably come out a lot, and I think Thomas Davis will come out a lot. So you're going to see a rotation. So you're going to, you know you think you know three guys to begin with a guy, another guy I really like the rookie um, Hudson out of um, Michigan. I, I think you'll see him slowly be some form if he does what I think he wants special teams. He played a viper role in Michigan where he was strong safety and just moved around. Um, I think that'll probably take a little longer maybe into you know the second part of the season. But you're going to see a 4-5 linebacker rotation early on because that's everything that they've been saying in the press conferences. Who's going to be your mic? Who's going to be your strong side? And they said don't. We're literally going to continue to move around. I think we're going to see a hell of a lot of nickel packages. So it's going to be a move point when it comes to the three linebackers. It'll mostly be a linebacker, you know, or two in the game. But I think that Del Rio is guessing because he knows that with this defensive line, if they can just bring this pressure, it might be in his best interest to have an extra DB out there uh, in some cases. But um, I'm really, I, I definitely, it's it's harder to forecast what this defense is going to look like as opposed to offense because Jack Del Rio, Del Rio has run a few different, you know, scheme systems in his time. But I think that, you know, what he did with Julius Peppers and others, I think it's it's pretty evident how he's going to use Chase Young and Montez Sweat early on. Who backs up Thomas Davis at the Sam? Yeah, that's a hard one because, you know, earlier going in, I really thought Ryan uh, Ryan Anderson was that type. But from what I'm hearing more and more, he'll still be listed as that, as that linebacker sub package, but he will not be in that role. He'll be mostly with, the, with his hand down the ground. So um, I think that that could lead to someone like, uh, I don't know, Bostic is someone that can go in that role. I Personally, I don't really see all the other linebackers going to that role because from what I look at this roster, everybody else looks like for the most Mikes and Wills. So that's why I don't think look for a lot of strong coming in. You're going to see mostly two linebacker sets with uh, a lot less uh, having the third linebacker on the field. Now, I personally am higher on Sean Dion Hamilton, but the previous administration was not. Why do you think they opted to give Cole Holcomb more of the time? I think it's because that's their guy. You know what I mean? Anytime someone comes in, and I, I know Sean Dion Hamilton is a guy they like, they, we've heard about in the past, but I think a lot of, you know, there were some minor injuries here and there, and I think it was a good opportunity. It was right time, right place last year for Holcomb. And granted, he had his ups and downs, but I still think he's a guy that, you know, we really need to get on the field. But that can't be at the expense of Sean Dion Hamilton. I agree with you 100%. I'm, I'm a Bama guy. I've been following them since Chris Samuels uh, was a freshman over there. Um, and I think ultimately for me, the best lineup is Hamilton as our middle linebacker. Holcomb is our weak side. And like I said, the, the strong side is a lot less important in this system, I believe, than a lot of people are making it out to be. So I think with those two linebackers, you have the core of our future. And going forward, you know, that's something they're going to really have to focus on in the draft next year, in my opinion, because I think they've really found success, these coaches Rivera and Del Rio, in grooming these guys rather than, you know, picking up other free agents. I think we're going to see a lot more of that going in the future. Just the, it's evident with all the cap that we're going. I think you're going to continue to see that strategy. So I think right now 
you know, Holcomb and Sean Dion Hamilton, that's your core. Those are your core guys. And somehow they got to get them on the field together at the same time. Cause I just think they'll be able to really take advantage with that defensive line that, you know, the type of pressure that's going to cause. Is the cutting of Sean Davis a bigger surprise than the releasing of Adrian Peterson? Not at all. Um, I actually, when they gave him the $6 million contract and I saw it was a $2 million out at the end with dead money, I thought, okay, you know, they're really having, you know, faith that he can come in because you don't pay that to really a backup these days. But from day one, from what I understand, he just looks – he just really did not flash. He did not make plays. Ab, he did. You know, you're talking about him getting yelled at coaches for, you know – supposed to be only in shells no hitting and, and, and he's laying hits on people and you're he's making cracks i think that um you know i don't know how the season's going to progress for hapke but i think he made it clear that he's the starter and with sean davis really offering nothing i think that they liked what they had behind him curl that's a bigger surprise because i was actually really disappointed with that pick because i think he's a box safety at best so to hear him making plays, you know, deep in the secondary, I'm happy. that That's that's another big win draft pick for us. So I don't see him lasting that long unless he makes plays early on. But I'm still glad to see that, you know, he was able to push someone um, like Sean Davis off the roster because that just tells me they really like what they have in their rookies. Sean Davis's release has more to do with Apke or with Curl? I think it has to do with a little of both. I think that he was looked at to be that starter. So I think they were comp- – six million dollars to be that starter but to be a questionable backup they rather just take you know deal with that two million dead money and have curl in that uh, that role but from what i understand everett and curl are going to be rotating they're not going to be either strong or free safety so they're going to back up both positions so how it's going to play out to me personally i i don't see that because again i'm not a fan of both like i said i want to see more speed more experience back there so i think you know, not Everett, but Curl is the type of player you could see cut after week one and we bring another free agent uh, safety that comes available. Because for now, I think it's they, they're really smart. I see what they're doing because, again, there's four or five players in this roster. They're going to be easily cut, easily brought back on the practice squad. So, again, I think those moves back there, it's more about Apke and Collins right now are going to be your main guys. But don't be surprised if you see Everett really get into the fold more. We're going to start a new segment on the show this week. At Florida Skins Fan for Life on Twitter says, the NFL is a passing league. The Washington football team has five wide receivers. One is a damn good third-round pick. One is a rookie fourth-round pick. And the other three are undrafted free agents. And honestly say you are confident in what would you say to Florida Skins Fan for Life? I'd say embrace what a rebuild looks like because after you win three games and it, regardless of the games we won before that they went nowhere and they've been going nowhere from what they had they've had veterans they've gone that route so let them develop it you know Kyle, Kyle, Kyle Smith and the staff have put together a young and promising roster so my answer to that would be is granted I'm not as excited either. I'm excited to see what they can do, but I don't have any framework besides college tape on a lot of these guys. 
So that's why I say I'm pretty confident that they're not done yet in adding to this roster because even in rebuilding, there's always free agents and dishes. So like I said, there's about four or five guys in this roster that are easily going to be able to be moved. And we're talking about receiver. Isaiah Wright was a surprise. Um, the undrafted rookie from Temple, wide receiver, uh, kick, kick returner, punt returner. He's going to be a guy that's easily released, brought to the practice squad. If a free agent receiver comes out that, that you know they really want to bring in. So I think you have to reserve um, – that judgment until, like I said, week two, week three, because this roster isn't done yet. And I'd add to that that the uh, third round receiver is over six foot, runs a four three forty. Three of those undrafted free agents are over six foot and run a four four forty. Right. And Stephen Sims Jr. I think is good for eight to ten touchdowns this year. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm. I, I saw you. You mentioned that about him wanting to be one of the better receivers. I think. He's the kind of guy that, like I said, he fits the Curtis Samuel uh, role in Carolina. I think you're going to be able to bring him in the backfield. You're going to be able to get out wide. So you said you said 8 to 10. I see exactly that. I see he's good for about, you know, five to six receiving touchdowns. And I see him good for two to three rushing touchdowns. He's going to be one of your, you know, I wish I got him on my fantasy because I think he's going to get better as the year goes on. But what's going to happen is, you know, between him and McLaurin getting a lot of the attention, as the year goes on, another small school guy I spent a lot of time on, uh, AGG. You know, we're not just talking about a tall guy, six foot four, you know, two thirty plus. We're talking about a guy, a guy that just gets it. He's the kind of guy that you just want. We hoped that Josh Dotson was going to be. So I'd say to fans, be patient with that. We're going to see a player like AGG. You know, as this season progresses, he's just going to be one of those targets that's going to be really hard to stop. I comped him to uh, Terrell Owens when he came out of Tennessee Chattanooga. Uh, his first year, his first two years in 49ers is an outlook that I saw. So can he make it to that ceiling? We will see. But uh, again, like you said, the speed that they've added, you know, following the offensive blueprint of Kansas City with upgrading speed at receiver and running back and following the blueprint, blueprint, excuse me, of what San Francisco has done on defense with investing so much in the line. I see what they're doing. It's, it's a copycat league. And I think some people get offended when you say that. Me, that shows me a team that's paying attention. They're paying attention to what is successful. And San Francisco and the Kansas City Chiefs were in the Super Bowl. I think they showed the NFL, like, this is what it's going to look like for the next decade, two decades. So I think that uh, Washington is wise to, you know, uh, invest a lot of their time on youth and speed rather than, you know, going all out and trying to throw money at everyone. You know, they tried to get Cooper, so it's not like they didn't try. But after that, I agree with don't throw huge money at the second tier guy. They couldn't get that first tier guy. So they bowed out. And again, it's a rebuilding year. Let's see what we got in these guys. You mentioned Antonio Gandy golden again. Why do you think he didn't get drafted higher? It, it comes back to small school level. It's a small school level bias. I started about uh, almost three years ago. Now I started um, just following um, some small school level guys starting on the HBCU level. Um, and I just kept coming across a guy, and I came across Darius Leonard. Um, this year I came across um, Kyle Duggar from Lenore Ryan. Um, these are guys that went in the second round, and I think some teams are going to look past that. You know, you have a Bill Belichick, and they see that these kind of players. I think that a lot of scouts look at AG as a limited route runner, as a guy that's a, you know, a pure 50-50 guy, and I think that there's a misconception that those are a dime dozen. And I think you can get those guys, but can they have long-term longevity? That's the question. So I think number one, to answer your question, small school level is the number one because Liberty has not put out anybody. 
that would I, that's something that scouts definitely look at. And they just look at his progression. And I think that even though he had back to back to back 1000 yard seasons, 10 touchdowns in each, in each of the last two, um, I think that they just put that um, under a microscope and find issues. I think I had him as an early third rounder to fourth round. So it's not like the NFL was totally off. It, I think it had a lot to do with the depth and, and the, um, you know, the pure talent of this draft. I think if you put him in a draft maybe um, this, this coming year or last year, I think you'll see him probably go earlier third round, later second round, because I just think he's a talent that he's really going to be able to um, impact an offense. But um, the coaching, the, he needs a lot of coaching and just needs a lot of investment into him. So um, going in the fourth round, to me, I had him and Gibson reverse. They were it was funny because those were two guys I talked on podcast the you know days before the draft, and I wanted Gandy going to third and Gibson in the fourth or fifth. So when it was reversed, I, I was I was I was uh, ecstatic to say the least. I was having this Sims Junior conversation on Twitter the other day. At Jesse S twenty four said, "I don't know, man. I think a lot of people are sleeping on Logan Thomas. He's big and athletic. I believe he's going to get a lot of targets in the red zone and might possibly cut down on Sims touchdowns. Uh, while I agree that that's a possibility." I'm curious of your thoughts. Tight ends have looked good in camp. Is that good for the tight ends or bad for our defense? Um, I think it's good for our tight ends. I, again, I'll come back. It's not going to be a traditional role because if I think it'll be, you know, a variation of what Turner showed his last four games in Carolina. But the way he uses his tight ends, like I said, they don't use a fullback. So I can envision, you know, we're talking about red zone. I can see more situations where Logan Thomas is going to be an extra blocker back there. So you're going to take him off that. What if he's not, you know, running routes for you, I don't see how he's going to get a ton of touches. I think he'll get involved. Um, but I don't know if he's going to get a ton of touches early on because this offensive line is going to need him in the backfield because these running backs, they're, they're, they're not going to cast a block much because that's just not what they do. If they really wanted that, they would have kept Adrian Peterson elsewhere for someone other than Lover McKissick. So I think that the tight end's job is going to have a lot to do with, you know, inline blocking and, you know, dropping down um, behind the line to block. So I don't think that's going to take away any kind of, you know, touches in the red zone whatsoever. You want to give us a score prediction for Sunday, and how about the record for the season? <laughs> oh, man, these are hard. Um, I think, again, I'll say it again, we're 0-6 the last six meetings against Philadelphia. Uh, it's a tough one. There's no home team and home game advantage. I actually, not having crowd actually probably helps Washington with, you know, new play callers. So um, I think that we're going to see a 20-10 uh, to 10 game. I think Washington's going to come out and pull this on top, I think. Early on, uh, they're going to watch. Is going to make big plays. They'll take an early lead, and I think in the second half, they'll really settle down, and our defense will buckle down and uh, bring home the win. Uh, as far as the season outlook, um, I'm bullish on it. I think that um, they can definitely pull out eight games just from the season, the, the schedule I've looked at. I see no reason, and you know, a couple things go right. They avoid some injuries. I think no reason to think you know we can get nine wins, possibly. Adam, thanks again for doing this. Tell the folks where they can find your work at and a little bit about – I know you got some stuff coming up soon. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, as we mentioned at the, the, the top, I just put out an article regarding uh, the back situation, how it will affect Turner. You can find all of my um, articles and my latest uh, podcast radio appearances on Burgundy and Gold Report, 
www.wordpress.com. And you can follow me on Twitter. Again, I put all my stuff uh, on my timeline as well. Pin it to the top, the latest at the BNG report, lowercase r. And uh, again, Matt, I really appreciate uh, you having me on. Uh, I wish you great success for the show and um, really excited for the season to get started. Man. It was a lot of fun. We'd love to have you back on again. Adam Aniba, everybody. Oh, thank you, my man.